Hello and welcome to another episode of Vote for Next Cast, the podcast where I chat to people from college societies from all across the country to help you discover new things. We are brought to you by, of course, Vodafone X, the fantastic mobile plan for young people and students, which gives you unlimited data, unlimited weekend calls and loads of ways to discover yourself, including access to a huge range of free online courses. Make sure to check it all out and get signed up at VodafoneX.ie and you'll also find all the other Vodafone X cast episodes up there, so definitely give them a listen too. Now this episode today is the sport one, so close to my heart, I'm really looking forward to it. And I have three lovely guests on. We have Kieran Fitzgerald from Sailing Club NUIG, we have Ali Donahue from Ladies Basketball Club in DCU and we have Ruth Comerford from Athletics Club UCD. You're all very welcome guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thanks for asking. Um, let's just jump straight into sport now, there's such a wide, wide topic, but we have a sailor, we have a basketball player and we have an athlete, so a nice mix and I can't wait to hear about all your experiences in it. First, just to get to know about more about your society, Kieran Fitzgerald, my man, can you fill me in now this very silly question, but what exactly kind of sailing are you doing? What kind of boats? So in the in uh, college clubs, all the college clubs sail uh, firefly sailing dinghies, which are like it's a two person boat. So it's no bigger than God, it's hard to compare to something, but it's smaller than a car. It's not like a huge yacht or anything like that. And all the college sailing teams compete in team racing events. Basically, it's kind of like athletics, like in a relay race where you're um trying to do the best that you can as a team, uh, kind of about strategy and stuff like that, rather than just the individual. Yeah, and I presume the society or the college provide the boats, do they? Yeah, we provide the boats, yeah. Okay, brilliant. It's like, you don't have to bring your own sailing boat. <laughs> no, that would make it quite expensive, all right. <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing, man. Um, really cool sport to be get involved in. I'll go to um, Ali. Sport is obviously really physically demanding, but... What other kind of transferable skills do you think uh, you get from sport? Yeah, um, loads. I think it's brilliant life for just for life in general. Um, definitely teamwork with basketball being a team sport. It's always comes up in competency based interviews and everything. Like jobs are always looking for ways to see how you work in a team. And I think it's a good example instead of just mention another example from college or something like that it's good to bring in a different bit of your personality there um I think as well leadership is a big one there's always opportunities to maybe be captain or to coach like I've coached um with the college club before and as well just commitment is a big one like any sports person knows that there's sacrifices you have to make if you're going to commit to to becoming like the top of your field or whatever and I think obviously college basketball is less of a time commitment we train once a week but like if you're playing sport in general you might like I train four times a week and play matches at the weekend but I think it really just teaches you about what's important to you and like what you're willing to do for for what you want. Yeah I, I totally agree with you and I'd be interested to see what you think Ruth um in, in opposed to Ali's obviously in a basketball team so there's a group there but athletics is a very individual sport so what transferable skills do you think you take from athletics as opposed to a team sport like basketball? Um, yeah that's true athletics is uh, quite an individual sport but again there are team elements because um, in our road relays and stuff like that and our inter-varsity competitions it's kind of the, the top four scores that would uh, contribute to a team so in essence you're running by yourself but it, it's going towards the whole team UCD athletics that community and you're meddling as a team you can always say meddle as an individual as well I suppose 
And then I suppose as an individual, it's it's your kind of personal responsibility and duty to, to come to training and then you're with everyone. But it's also, it's just a, a kind of self-accountability, I suppose, that I've really learned from it that uh, you're taking the the initiative to go to the training sessions and stuff like that. Um, and you're going to make your own improvements from that. And then you can also see as a, as a team, you're all improving together. You might be improving at different paces and different times, but you're still together at the one place in the one training session. So that's what I really love about it. There's kind of a, a dual, dual role of, of the sport, I suppose. Yeah. And do you think it gives you uh, benefits in other areas of your life? Like, I don't know if you work besides athletics or in your study life or family life or relationships, anything like that? It gives me a lot of focus. Um, I suppose every day is an opportunity to train. Um, in my, When I'm working in my part-time job, I'll always try to do my run in the morning or in the evening. Um, and I think definitely during COVID, uh, my role as ladies captain was a huge um, focus and just made me so determined throughout the year because it's easy to get a bit unmotivated the fact that we don't have all the the good social aspects of our club at the moment but the fact that you still have to do all your admin work you've still got all your athletes training and you've still got your coaches uh, making training plans and stuff like that and it's definitely helped me again communication skills the the like the variety of people that you're in in contact with um if you're kind of at the administrative side of the the club as well is 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 unreal and it's and it's helped me get a, a good graduate role so I'm pretty pleased with it yeah yeah no I agree with you so much I I value sport like in an in incredible amount I I don't know if you know but I was on a show called Love Island and that's probably the reason why we're talking <laughs> here and I could have done the easy path and followed what all, every Love Islander does especially the winner of Love Island and gone to the UK and followed all that stuff and made a water cash but I didn't I came home because I wanted to play sport and come back to the team that I was playing with and I came back for, for very little money I, I like I have, don't do it for money um, I do it because I absolutely love the sport and the focus and the structure and the camaraderie and it just I think it gives you just a dis- discipline and a structure in your life that you can't get anywhere else and um, I don't know if I'd be anywhere near I am in my life if I hadn't had sports. So I completely agree with both of you. And would you have anything to add to that, Kieran? Do you think you get anything from sailing which really helps in other areas of your life? Well, one thing I feel like that comes from any sport is your mental health. Like going out and doing a sport helps with your mental health so much. Like spending a day on the water takes all the stress of your exams or um, assignments or anything like that. You just kind of leave it behind you and you're focused completely on just being in the moment and I feel like even then when you come off the water you're feeling refreshed and you it's kind of it's a good learning experience a mental learning experience I feel to do a sport yeah 100% even when I feel like I'm bit down and, and grumpy and stuff especially if I haven't trained in about two days I'd be the exact same as you Kieran and I just need to do some sort of exercise and immediately I feel better so I'd say even being out in the water now the freshness of that is even more so because um, I always feel like even after a swim it's just unbelievable so maybe I'll have to get out into the sailing club with you lad and, and have a crack of it Athletics, obviously, Ruth, has so many different uh, elements to it and so many different disciplines. Um, do you think there's really some event for everyone or how did you even go about picking your own event in athletics? Um, yeah, so I only started running really uh, during my two leave insert years, um, just as a stress reliever um, and just for my head as well. And I started off by, I said, how, how will I go about this? So then um, my auntie is, is really into park runs. I don't know if you're familiar with them, Greg, but they're a, a 5K uh, run every Saturday morning at half nine. Obviously, they're not on now because of level five. And it's in over 70 locations in Ireland. So that was the first thing that I'd done. Um, I started doing that. And 
week after week, it's such a motivator. Um, your time will decrease because you're obviously going to get fitter and stuff like that. So I suppose because I started with that 5K distance when I came to UCD and I wanted to pursue running and just just really give it a go and see, oh, yeah, you know, because I was getting my time lower and I was like, oh, maybe maybe I could have a go at this. So then obviously I just joined the athletics club and then there's a, a, a distance group and a sprints group. So I place myself in the distance group, mostly because there's more people that train. And also if you fall behind, it's less noticeable um, than if you're out on the track. But again, that's how I fell into kind of the cross country. And also I did some road races at home and stuff like that. Um, again, because there's lots of participants in them, you've got people walking the road races and they're still, they have the same sense of accomplishment as someone who did their five miles in under 30 minutes. Um, and again, like race walking is really big in athletics and um, mountain running, hill running as well, trail running. Um, in UCD, anyways, a lot of the orienteering club train with us, um, the triathlon club train with us as well. And there's also pentathletes and stuff like that. Um, so it spans a variety of, of disciplines. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, a long distance event is quite easy to get into, as you said, like you do your 5K and you kind of come along and you go for your run and you kind of compete against yourself, your own times, which is the beauty of of athletics is that you keep chipping away at your own PB, your own PB, and you've some kind of aim to go at. What do you think about those parts of athletics that are like the discus or the javelin or the high jump? How do you think people get into them? Is They're obviously not as competitive because they're not as easy to get involved in, are they? Yeah, I think most of the people involved with those sort of niche events may have been members of athletic clubs when they were younger and just didn't like the shorter distance or the longer distance. And some people just say, oh, I'll give it a go. And it turns out sometimes they're really good at it. Um, and I suppose it, it requires a different skill set as well, because a lot of it would be more gym focused. Um, and just, again, each to their own. And I suppose, yeah, I, I know you were a sprinter in your day as well, Greg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. But I did... Um I sprinted for Ireland, which people don't really know. I did that. I actually went to the uh, Youth Olympics and then I decided to go rugby instead. So I've done the, the team side of it and the uh, individual side of it. And there's beauty on both sides. Obviously, with the team team stuff, the, yourself, Kiran and, and uh, Ali, you'll know that you can depend on other people. Like, And it's working together and there's a beauty in that you all do one thing. But then the, with the individual side of the athletics, I found is that it's me and I'm not affected by anyone else. Like if I perform, I get the result. Where if you perform in a team and the team lets you down, you're still losing. So there's different aspects and I suppose I just like the, the team side of it, but there's, there's beauty in, in, in both sides of it, definitely individual and team sports. I was going to ask you, Ali, do you think there's a misconception with basketball in general that you have to be tall to play? If you're not tall, there's no point getting involved. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I think that a lot of people are like, oh, I'm I'm too short, no point. But like, like I am six foot, but <laughs> regardless. <laughs> me, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you definitely, you don't need to be, like there's different positions on a basketball team, like with any sport. And I, I'm not going to lie, for some positions, it, it does make a difference being tall. But then again, say if the person you're marking is taller than you but you can jump higher than them you're still going to get the ball over them like it's it's down to how much work you put in and your skill set rather than your height you know and some of the best players that I can think of are really small like it's just different positions need different things like a point guard needs to be they need to be really fast they need to be agile and someone like me with a not that doesn't have a low center of gravity I'm gonna fall over if I try to change direction really fast yeah. you know so there's there's different things needed for for different uh positions on the team for definite 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you that there is a misconception that you have to be tall to play. But then you look at the NBA and there's some players, I think I could be wrong saying this now, is Isaiah Thomas quite small? He is, yeah. yeah. I think he's yeah. like the smallest person to ever win an All-Star. Yeah, and he's unbelievable. He just runs in and out of the big guys like and then just... Yeah, he'd probably so. be able to like run under their legs and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so definitely I think that misconception should be done away with because anyone can just come along and, and have fun. And if you're good enough, you're good enough. Um, exactly, yeah. I was going to ask you, Kieran, how does someone even get into sailing? Like, is it, it must be an expensive one to start off, is it? Uh, I think a lot of people have that idea that sailing is an expensive sport to get into. But to be honest, it really isn't. There are loads of uh, sailing clubs all over Ireland. A lot of them, most of them are based on the coast, obviously, but some inland on lakes and stuff like that. And during the summer, they run summer camps where you can get started, learn how to sail. That's how I got into sailing. There's a sailing club in my town and I just uh, decided to go for a summer camp when I was younger and got into sailing there. And I've been addicted ever since. And so it doesn't matter what age you are, like there's adult sessions and beginner sessions, or if you're upskilling, there's advanced sessions. And like, even if it's just going out for a Sunday, you can just go out with friends and pick up a skill or two. You don't have to own your own boats, loads of clubs. You can just rent a boat for a fiver or a tenner for the day and out you get, you know. Uh, so it's really not expensive if you're just kind of looking for it to be a recreational thing. Yeah, I de- now I put my hand up. I definitely would have thought that I couldn't get involved in sailing because I need my own boat and I just don't have one. But you're saying that you can mm-hmm. go to really any sailing club and you can rent a boat no matter if you have no experience, you can still rent a boat for the day. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the sailing clubs would have, um, you'd kind of have to do like a taste of sailing thing first, just so they don't throw you out in the sea with no knowledge whatsoever. But once you've done something like that, then you can, can go out and they have kind of like, uh, most of the clubs would have weekly sessions where there'd be somebody supervising the whole thing um so you could go out and you have someone there that's kind of taking care of you so if anything goes wrong then then you're kind of safe you know okay brilliant so it is a lot more accessible than i thought Ruth, do you think that playing sport or being involved in athletics like yourself just makes people more inclusive in general yeah definitely i think when you're out there at the training session and you get talking to people People have such different backgrounds, like backgrounds from uh, differences of of what they study, uh, where they live, where they're from. Like, uh, like there would be lots of exchange students who just bring brilliant perspectives. Um, and also as part of the committee as well, some people, they're involved at the clubs, but they mightn't want to compete or train with the sport, but they want to be really involved in the admin side as well. So it, it definitely it definitely is very inclusive and um, it just brings that diverse nature to it because you've got the, the side that you're all together and you're all training, but also you everyone brings such different perspectives um, and viewpoints, I suppose, on it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think sport just kind of opens you up to so many people. You meet so many different types of people and cultures and everything and you're traveling away for events. So there's obviously been a focus on women's sport in recent years and it's brilliant to see Irish women getting the recognition they deserve in sport, particularly in horse racing, obviously recently with Rachel Backmore just winning everything. But having said that, there's obviously still quite a huge gap between men and women's sport. And in terms of coverage and funding and everything, there's just still that discrepancy there. Ali, do you think the gap is being bridged? And how do you think we can keep bridging it in the future between men and women's sport? Just speaking from a basketball point of view anyway, I think that basketball in Ireland is quite equal, actually, as it is at the moment. Um, Anyone who follows Irish basketball probably would follow men on the women. 
and um I think that's probably down to like the success of the uh, international women's teams over the past number of years at underage level you know the the 18s a couple of years ago got promoted to the A division for the first time ever like they're doing great bits and there's so many role models like my teammate Brona Pericasti she's over in America playing in a division one college and she won rookie of the year which is insane like it's amazing for young girls in basketball to have these people to look up to and see that they can do the same thing and I'm not saying that the lads in basketball in Ireland aren't doing amazing things as well but I think that as a sport we are quite um we do place a lot of emphasis on on the girls as well and even last year the 20 by 20 movement was just amazing to really make people think well are we doing enough are we doing as much as we can do is there anything more we can do to promote the girls like my club is an all girls club so we've no lads in our club and so it's kind of all we know is that like the women in the sport kind of thing but um like so we obviously have a lot of role models and as well Lindsay Pete like my favorite athlete ever she's just amazing she's played internationally for rugby for basketball for soccer and she played for the dubs Gaelic football team for years like she's just amazing and she came from my club as well DC and Mercy so I think like with those kind of role models and like you said um Rachel Blackmore and Katie Taylor, these kind of people. We just need to really celebrate the wins of all these amazing women. And I think like people are beginning to realise, well, they're doing the exact same thing as men are doing. So why aren't we kind of celebrating them? Do you know? So I think I think people are kind of copping on a bit to it. <laughs> but there's there's always room for improvement. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I'd argue that the best athlete to ever come out of Ireland is Katie Taylor. Like, she's an undisputed champion. Like, she just doesn't get beaten and she has all the belts. And, like, she is put up there as one of the best athletes. But I think she is the best athlete and it's really paving the way for other other women to come through. But, Ruth, in sport in general, do you think there's still a gap between men and women's sport and it needs to be bridged? And how will we bridge that in the future? Um, yeah, I think there there have been incremental improvements um, in this field, definitely. And I suppose it probably goes back to the fact that there are anatomical differences between men and women. But it's just the, the, the I think the gap does still exist. Um, but what I love about our club is that uh, at our at our group sessions, we all do the same session. All the boys and the girls train together. We start off and we do laps of the mile loop. And of course, uh, we do it at different paces and stuff like that. But it's, it gives you the great uh, kind of sense of achievement that, you, you know, you can talk about, oh, how do you find the session? Oh, yeah, I found the fourth rep hard. I found the fifth rep hard. That's what I really love about it. Um, and as Ali was saying about the 2020 movement is brilliant. And I think her sports do a great job at promoting women in sport. But obviously, I think there's still a lot to be done. Um, and also, it's quite a vicious uh, circle, really, I suppose, as you were saying about the the lack of funding and investment in it in turn affects the training and then it, it affects the media coverage as well. So I suppose it's a, it's a knock-on effect really. But all we can we can do is just keep on um, admiring people like Rachel and um, just inspiring the youth of, of today, I suppose, and just keep on getting the, the, the coverage of women's sport out there and getting the big media people involved. Definitely. Yeah. It, it is getting better. Um, and I think the problem is it's it's not even like sexism at this stage. I think there's some unbelievable athletes. We mentioned Rachel, we mentioned Katie Taylor. We've Sonia Sullivan from years ago in your sports as well. We've Jessica Ennis, who does amazing things over in Great Britain. I think it comes down to it's a business thing and it's just a generation of funding and people look at it as a business and what team is making the most money. So that's going to get obviously more promotion. Um, but maybe 
it just needs to start moving a little bit and start funding the women's sports more so they can start making more money. Do you know what I mean? Give them a bit of a boost. Um, but I think it is going in the right direction. Um, for instance, the women's rugby team are even doing great. They beat Wales last week in 45 nil or something. So um, there's great stuff happening in women's sport and they're very impressive. Kieran, obviously some sports are quite mainstream like soccer and rugby and things like that and, and sailing wouldn't be as mainstream I'd say in my opinion but not as many people do it. Why do, why do you think that is? Um, I suppose one of the biggest things is probably probably accessibility. There's probably a GAA pitch in every town in Ireland but you won't find a sailing club in every town in Ireland. So like anyone can go out and train and join a football club but you won't have the same like ease finding a sailing club or finding somewhere to go sailing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to ask you a, a route. Is technology making a difference um, to your sport at all or is, how does it play a role? Um, yeah, I think it would play a role. Um, the first thing I think of is all those fitness wearables. Like, I mean, everyone has a Fitbit or a Garmin at the moment. Um, and I suppose it's brilliant for motivation um, as well as just to track your progress. Um, like I know even in cycling, you can get glasses that like track your heart rate and all your, your incline and stuff like that. And a lot of the athletes wear heart rate monitors and do their lactate testing and stuff like that. So there is a huge scale of technology available. And I mean, at the moment, our big motivation is Strava. I don't know if, uh, if any people listening use Strava, but uh, we joke that it's Tinder for runners. Like we just, we love looking <laughs> at each other's profiles and seeing how many miles people do a week. And technology in relation to sailing, Kieran, has it changed the way you approach it, like in relation to navigating or something like that? Oh, definitely. I think overall the sports, I think sailing's hugely impacted by technology. Like firstly, just weather forecasting is a really important whenever we want to go sailing. It's it definitely anytime we want to go sailing, we have to look at the weather straight away. So being able to pick up your phone and say, oh, Friday looks great. The swell or the waves are grand for sailing on on Friday it's just makes the world of a difference and then things like GPS knowing where we are or just having that security that if anything went wrong we have um, a radio to be able to call the coast guard or anything like that these advances in technology just like make sailing a much safer environment um, as well as that like in the last year not being able to sail we've been able to do things like we've had a virtual regatta series where We've done, it's just on your phone, driving around boats, but it's very accurate to what sailing actually is. There's like real wind changes. Um, if there's a, another boat on like above you, then you're going to be slower. And all these things make, you know, it's so much more accurate now, which makes it more enjoyable for us. And, you know, at least we've, we feel like we're somewhat still sailing, even though we're inside. And is, is navigation hard to learn about when, when you come in? Is, is it very like, or is it just simply as just kind of opening an app and that's it, it tells you where you are? Um, I suppose nowadays it's a bit easier, but the more you get into sailing, the more you have to learn about navigating. If you're trying to make any career in sailing, then you have to, there's a lot you need to know about coasts. You kind of have to have a, ge a geographical kind of knowledge. Um, you also have to know about tides and weather uh, there's quite a bit, a good bit to learn and it involves uh, quite a bit of maths, which I wouldn't be great at myself, but you need to kind of, it's, it's all kind of your plan when you're planning routes and things like that, it makes it a lot harder. So the further you travel, the more difficult it gets, I'd say. Okay, really? So say these amazing people that sail around the world by themselves, surely because out in the middle of those oceans, the GPS isn't working 
or does would it work all the way around? Yeah, I would I would think that it always works. Yeah. And there are, are big yacht races and they use some amount of technology. And like the Vendée Globe is uh, an ocean, a, a race where they sail all the way around the world. And they use like the amount of uh, technology they have to use in those races is just astounding. And would you love to do something like that yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be something like that would be amazing. A sailor from NUIG um, sailed in the Vendée Globe. So like I because she was in the sailing club and she was part of their committee, I'd love to aspire to do something like her. She was the first Irish female to do the Vendée Globe, which was a big, huge deal. And that would be a huge ocean going race. Um, and then she did the Vendée Globe recently, which is an around the world race. Amazing. What's her name? Uh, Joan Molloy. That is so impressive. Ruth, what's something a listener could start doing right now once they get off listening to this podcast to get involved in athletics or even just running? I'd say go outside, put your runners on and go. Um, I suppose go and see how you can run and how fast you can run and what you can do. Um, and then I'd suppose the next step, I'm a big advocate of Strava. Also, my fitness pal is really good because um, you can kind of track your food and your health and stuff like that as well. Um, and then also uh, like there's loads of podcasts, like the Runner Bean podcast is a really good one. Um, and I suppose they kind of go back to the fundamentals of why you're running, why you want to run and why it's just such an, an easy thing to do. But just so it just has such a multitude of benefits. Go to park runs as well when the world resumes. Um, I'm a big advocate for those. They're such community-based events. Um, and again, everyone goes out, completes the same course, and then everyone goes for coffee afterwards or the amount of random people I've met through that. And it was also great for me to kind of get used to life in Dublin when I moved up from home. Um, so yeah, those would be my little tips to get into running, I suppose. They're great tips, yeah. And what about, say, everyone probably wouldn't run as well as you now. You probably have great technique. Someone going out. Oh, and like, I'm very average. <laughs> I'm sure you're you're good enough if you're in the club and you're, you're training away with everyone else. But you know someone that's just going out, turn on the runners and they may not be moving that great and it's going to affect their body. How would you uh, suggest they can improve their technique? Is like watching videos or YouTube or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, posture is really important. So straight back, keep your chest up um, and nice natural arm movements. You know, don't don't go out pretending you're Usain Bolt with the choppy hands. Um, if you're just going out for a casual run and just in through, through the nose, out through the mouth, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, that's good advice because you don't want people out there um, picking up injuries, but running is obviously a beautiful way to, to train and, and, and get on that Strava app. Obviously, sport is an amazing way, in my opinion, to, to form relationships and bonds with people. For instance, my own parents met at an athletics club when they were 15 and they've been together ever since and they're married. Um, my best mates in this world are all people that I play rugby with and we met each other through sport and now we're going to be best mates for the rest of our lives. We do, we socialise outside of training as well. So I just think it's an amazing way to meet people and form relationships. And Ruth, obviously you're in athletics, so... Um, as we said earlier, you're, it's an individual, individual sport and I did it when I was younger and I still have some amazing friends that I did athletics with. I, the best trip I've ever been on was to Turkey with a group of athletes that I still speak to to this day and they're mates of mine. So do you feel that even though athletics is an individual sport, you still form amazing relationships and bonds with people? Oh, completely. Um, I think 
Athletics has been like an integral part of my life in UCD over the past four years. And I suppose even though it is an individual sport, you're all competing in the same event, albeit you could be competing against each other. But usually for the InterVarsity events, we'll compete against Cork, Galway, Limerick, all of the universities and the institutes of technology. And then there's always a social event afterwards. So you've all kind of bring, been through the mutual, not suffering of the race, but you know, you've done the, the hard cross country course or you've done your, your track races and you're just absolutely best. But then you've all got the togetherness, I suppose. And the fact that everyone trains so hard, they do like to enjoy themselves then when they do get out. Um, so yeah, it's just been brilliant. And like, oh, I'd say most of my friends from college are from the club as well. And it's great for like also mixing with the boys and girls um, or men and women, whichever way you want to put it. Um, I suppose with our club, we all train together and compete separately, but then socialise together as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my first uh, long-term girlfriend, actually, I met her through running. Um, we were in school together, but we only bonded then. We went on an athletics trip through to school. So it's a great way to men and women to mingle as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> uh, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran. She probably is. <laughs> Kieran, um, moving on. <laughs> uh, uh, we're speaking there about friendships and forming bonds through sport. Does that happen in sailing as well? Or are you just kind of mates with the fellas you sail with on your boat and you kind of ignore everyone else? No, I think you, you definitely um, become friends with everyone around you. If you're in a club, then you're always swapping over boats or uh, talking to the other people around you, looking for advice on sailing and things like that. And then when you go to sailing events, well, I feel like this uh, with any sport, when you are going to an event, there's always that, oh, I get to see these friends that I haven't seen since the last sailing event or things like that. That's really exciting and kind of makes it uh, more enjoyable. And then meeting new people every event you go to, those are the kind of lovely social things that, really make a sport I feel okay so everyone kind of gets on even though you might be competing against each other in different boats you get on at the event yeah definitely okay brilliant Kieran. in relation to sailing how do you improve your skills when you're not allowed out into the water do you even train out off the water um well I suppose we put in a good bit of gym time we're really lucky here in Galway to have a, a great college gym and we get quite a lot of time where we can use the gym to train but besides that uh we do like theory sessions so especially when you're doing things like team racing, there's quite a lot of theory to go into it or like tactics and training things that when you're competing against other teams, like you have to work at the group. So you have to know these uh, plays or strategies ahead of time before you go to those races. So there's a lot of th- uh, theory training that we do on land. Uh, and then we try to we practice those things on the water before we go to events just to help kind of improve our sailing. And Besides that, things like YouTube, I feel like YouTube is a great place for learning new things that you didn't know before, learning expert things from people that are more skills than you are. Yeah. And this is, I was just thinking there, you get cold out there, man, and you're wearing a wetsuit or how do you stay warm? Yeah. So you have to wear a lot of a lot of layers. Um, I Well, you can wear a wetsuit or there's like kind of overall things and you have your life jacket on, get your hat. It kind of all depends on the weather. But like in the summer, it's the complete opposite. Since the sun is bouncing off the sea, you just get so warm so quickly. And like you have to be really careful, wear loads of sun cream. I come back and I'm every summer, I'm so tanned after being on the water all the summer <laughs> and everyone's so jealous. But like, so it really depends on the time of year. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of a misconception about sailing is that you just be so cold out there during the non-summer months. But um, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's ways around that, of course. You just got to get moving, get that core working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do many people go on to do sailing professionally, Kieran? Is that an option after? Uh, definitely. Uh, more so, it would be in um, single-handed sailing. So. Um, one of the biggest fleets in Ireland would be the laser sailboat fleet. And then you have people like Annalise Murphy, who sails for Ireland. She's won a few Olympic medals now and she sails in lasers. And that would be one of the biggest uh, ways that people from sailing do it as a career. But then there's loads of other things like people who go on to do marine science or uh, people who go on to do um driving a cruise ship or things like that doing sailing is kind of like a pathway into all of these because you have you learn little bits about navigation or it's kind of like your starting point into these things but if you're doing it as a sport um it's more so single-handed sailing a lot of the kind of college team racing stuff it's not somewhere where you'd make a, a living from um but it's definitely a, a bouncing point onto somewhere else and do you plan on following it on professionally as a career after you get out of college um, I'd love to. Uh, so I'm studying marine science in college. So I'm hoping that when I finish uh, my degree that I can somehow include sailing in that. Uh, so something that I could do like projects where I go out and do re research surveys and things, but I'm also allowed to sail, you know, use my knowledge from sailing as part of my career. Oh, class. The so very best of luck with that. You're you're highly involved. So it looks like you, you are going to go on if you mix your yeah. education with your passion. So best of luck, man. I hope you do. Mm -hmm. Ali, playing basketball professionally, is that uh, something that you and your friends are trying to do or is it more just socially? Um, there's definitely like a, a wide range of of people in the club and I like there is some scholar people on scholarships that would be kind of thinking you know I can I can make a career out of this and um, not really in Ireland you wouldn't really see um professional basketballers but um one of the girls who we were meant to be playing with this year she's from Canada and um, she was over on a scholarship in DCU doing a master's and now she's um going to Morocco to play professionally so it's more so um, like there's a few Irish people over in Spain and stuff and Italy playing professionally. Um, but I think um, kind of more so than pr playing professionally, a lot of young Irish players would be aspiring to get scholarships to American colleges would be like kind of the a, a big goal for a lot of players. Um, to, to get over and play for a D1 school in America is a, a big thing. And is that a difficult process? How do you get scouted? Pe people come over here and scout or do you go for trials? Um, so a lot of people would, this is just me talking from hearing my friends doing it and stuff. Um, it was never um, something that I wanted to do, but um, you'd be putting together loads of highlights, you know, taping all your games, all your footage and um, sending it off to uh, different schools and stuff. A lot of people would go to a prep school first for a year um, after they do their leave insert. So they'd go over and play over in America, not in college, but get noticed in that way. Um, and just, yeah, I think it's it's just a lot of contact in different schools and stuff like that. Um, but there's there's loads of Irish players uh, over the, in America at the moment doing great things, playing uh, really good basketball with, in D1 skills and D2 skills as well. So Class. Yeah, it's great to see. And you said you do a bit of coaching already. Do you plan on continuing that after you finish college? I 
actually found coaching to be quite stressful. I much rather playing basketball, but I do know that I can't play forever. So maybe in the future, when I'm done my playing career, I might pick it up again because I can't really see myself not doing anything to do with basketball. But um, for the moment, I don't think so. I was uh, coaching the freshers team with my friend and she basically made all the hard decisions because I didn't want to make any. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever you think, you do that. So, yeah, yeah I don't think coaching is for me. <laughs> That's funny. Like the selecting the players who's playing. Yeah, no, I didn't want to do anything. I was like, I want them all to play. They're all amazing. <laughs> That is, that's a tough side of coaching. You're going to upset somebody. Oh, that's so yeah, funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ship it off to the friend, delegate that responsibility. And then they could all like have pick their grievances with her. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, they all still love you. <laughs> yeah. Doing athletics full-time is a bit of a weird one in that there's different routes. You kind of get carded, but only a handful of people get carded and you need to get like a really big result at the Olympics or Worlds or something like that. Or you pick up a sponsorship deal. So what do you think about doing athletics full time route? Um, me personally, like, I mean, I just wouldn't be within reach for my ability, but I know people make really good careers from it. Um, and in terms of one thing I've thoroughly enjoyed about being on the sort of the organizational side of the club is the leadership skills it gives you so something that I'd really love to do is wherever I live or whatever I do is to become involved in the athletics club and still like I'll always be a runner I'll still do my runs every week but it's also to be on the organizational side as well and then like you'd notice like a lot of um sportsmen and women you know they go into the media side of it they go into the broadcasting side of it they go into kind of the leadership the coaching like you were saying um so yeah there's definitely just so many opportunities there um i mean my career path will follow the science route as a chemistry student but it would just be lovely to do it as an as an add-on to, to to what my career will be amazing yeah so at the moment you're balancing your athletics training your studies and you're working I'm done. You're doing a little bit of part-time work at the moment um, for UCD. Um, but yeah, I usually work in Centra at home. So shout out to Dunmore East Centra. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. No, fair play to you. It's not easy, not easy to balance education and work. Yeah, and, and training. It's, it's very tough to do. So you should be proud of yourself getting all that done. Kieran, can I ask you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? One thing that covers all sports I suppose is if you're happy doing what you're doing then no one can tell you that you're not successful and um, which I think is a really nice point to make that it doesn't matter if you're just running and you're you're kind of not competing competitively or you're sailing and you're just doing it as a, a leisurely thing if you enjoy it then that's that's the success there and Ruth the best piece of advice you've ever been given I'd say someone told me once to focus on progress and not perfection and I think that's definitely applicable to athletics and also to every sport really um I suppose there's just this this idea that being perfect is is essentially perfect um but then I mean it begs like what even is perfect is perfecting decreasing your time in a race or uh, and, and again it just goes back to what what you'll feel fulfilled with I suppose um, and if and if making steady progress, that'll pay off longer. And then your idea of perfect might be a bit more attainable, I suppose. Yeah, it's a brilliant one. Yeah, so uh, progress, not perfection. I love that. 
Is your club doing anything at the moment, Ruth, to help people discover new things? Like, is there any events coming up? Uh, so th- we did manage to have a few training sessions throughout the year because we're a non-contact sport. So we had an app that people booked in and uh, it was just pods of 15 and it was we had to loosely base it on ability just for, for timing purposes. Um, so it was great. We did have a few sessions over in Belfield and stuff like that. Um, and then we ran a virtual 5K time trial. Um, so that was really good. We did it with Trinity and we had loads of entrants. And what was really good is all our, we had lots of first years um, submit times and it was really nice just to, just to, to meet them and stuff like that. Um, and I guess our, our coaches put up training plans each week and you can see what everyone else is doing on their respective Strava accounts. I'll go back to my old favorite. Um, so that that's really good. And I suppose we do do strength and conditioning classes. So smaller numbers of us would do them together and stuff like that. So we are training together, uh, but apart, I suppose. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Kieran, is your club doing anything at the moment to help people discover new things or any events coming up or things like that? So there's a race that usually happens around Ireland. It's a yacht race that couldn't go ahead that we decided that we'd run instead because it, it raises a lot of money for charity. And we decided that, so all of the uh, sailing clubs in Ireland got together and each club went and tried to run as many kilometers as they could. And so it was just kind of a way to um, keep the race going at heart and raise a bit of money for charity. Oh, sounds great. It was a good crack. It was, it was great crack. Um, that was back in the day when everyone was doing their 5Ks and putting them on the story. So it was, it was a great way to kind of keep involved and keep online, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds lovely. And... Ali, is your club doing anything at the moment to help people discover new things? We've just kind of been encouraging people to keep playing basketball if they can um, by themselves kind of thing. And I think it, well, for me personally, I've found and from other people I've talked to, it's been a year where we've actually had to look for other things to, to keep us busy. So I've taken an interest in a few different societies that I never would have looked at before. I think the societies have have been great in moving online and doing virtual events and stuff like that. So I think having the free time without any basketball has made us kind of open our eyes to all the other stuff that's on offer in college as well. And even like I'm in my final year, but I've found new societies that are really cool that I'm interested in now. And so I think like you can, you never stop finding new things when you're in college. There's always some something going on and some friend that you have from somewhere will say, oh, I'm doing this really cool thing. Do you want to do it with me? And you can always find new things. That's brilliant. Yeah. And would you have any top tips for students listening around the country to help them discover new things? Um, I would say just throw yourself in there and try something new. I think if any, anyone who's in the mindset of trying something new, they'll not, they'll might be scared, but like, you know, that you have to just kind of start somewhere. And I think once you're in that kind of space of trying new things, other stuff will jump out at you. So say if you come to a basketball training session and you're thinking, actually, no, this isn't for me, you're going to be down in the sports complex in DCU and you'll be surrounded by other people as well. Like you could bump into someone from the trampolining club and say, that looks way cooler. I want to do that. You know, so if you're in that that setting, you have to put yourself in these places where you're going to have the opportunity to try new things. And don't be afraid to think if you the first thing you try isn't for you, there's so much more out there. You don't have to feel pressure to love the first thing you try. Yeah, it's beautifully put. Yeah, definitely. Ruth, do you have any top tip for any students listening 
for helping them discover new things? Yeah, I'd just say, don't be afraid. Like say when I came to UCD, I spent most of first year with the juggling society. <laughs> um, and they just do all things circus. Uh, they're just a fantastic bunch of people. And I met them in, so we do orientation week, which is kind of two weeks before you'd start academic lectures. And then I was actually on their stand recruiting more first years two weeks later as a as a diehard member of their club of all of two weeks, you know. Um, and the same as what Ali was saying, you just got to throw yourself in because it's a daunting prospect for everyone. And I know it's easy to say, but everyone does feel the same. You know, some people might join athletics, haven't done it in their school, but they'll think, oh goodness, I, I did it in school. I wasn't good enough or I, I didn't get picked for every team. Um, but just don't try Sure, Like I didn't do running much before I came to college. Like I was just big into horse riding, gymnastics, uh, Gaelic football, anything. But, but then I suppose I took the elements of those sports, just like the running and the diligence and I put them into athletics. And I, like I've tried tennis in college and Olympic handball and you name it, I was putting my name in for it. And as I, I suppose, as you go through, you just kind of hone your interest in more. Um, so then I just, I just stuck with, with my, with the athletics club and um, I've really enjoyed it. Amazing. That's so well put. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Very well put, Ruth. And Kieran, what about someone that's listening that isn't in college and may not have the sport they enjoy near them or a club near them? What would you suggest to them for kind of staying active or getting involved in sport? I feel like there's a lot of things you can do online these days, like getting involved in uh, groups online, like things like virtual regatta for sailing or just apps that can help you kind of see if you have an interest in the sport. Things like apps like YouTube are great for uh, watching and seeing what other people are doing. And then when you have a chance to do something like sailing, you know, go and take that chance. Um, but there's in every town and every country, there's always these little cool clubs or societies or things like that that you can join and you just have to find them and really just go for them I think yeah yeah brilliant that's a good way to wrap it up the saying just go for it just definitely just have a crack and, and see what happens and I, I guarantee you'll enjoy yourself I want to get the Instagram handles off you guys or any websites or how someone listening can get involved in your in your club or society um, Ali do you want to go first there yeah, um, so we're not the most tech-savvy bunch in uh, the basketball club, so we don't have an Instagram, but if you go on to dcuclubsandsocks.ie, um, it's the brilliant new um, website that DCU have made this year, and it lists all the clubs, all the societies, and you can find the Ladies Basketball Club there and send us a message through that platform, and we'll get back to you straight away if you have any questions or you want to join. Perfect, thank you. And Ruth, how can someone get involved with the Athletics Club in UCD? How can they find you? Um, okay, so on Twitter, it's UCDAC underscore Bears. And we've got a great Facebook page as well. Um, it's just UCD Athletics Club. And then Instagram, it's just at UCD Athletics. Brilliant, loads of options there for everyone to get involved. And Kieran, yep. <laughs> Kieran how can someone find out about the Sailing Club? Uh, is there an Instagram handle? Yeah, so you can find us um, on Instagram at NUIG Sailing. And the same on Facebook. And we also have a website. So many ways to find us too. Oh, perfect. Thanks very much. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed that chat about sport. I could keep chatting to you for hours and hours, but we have to wrap up at some stage. I hope you, the listener, enjoyed it just as much as me and took something from it. If you want to learn even more, don't forget to check out the wide range of free online courses at votafonex.ie. You'll also find all the other Votafonex cast episodes up there. The performing one, filmmaking, tech, 
business, activism, health, music, science. We've covered so many areas and they've all been really, really enjoyable. And I can't believe there's only one episode left. I've absolutely loved all of it so far and I've taken something from each episode and I hope you, the listener, have as well. Um, a massive thank you to, of course, Vodafone X for making all of this happen and also to my three lovely guests joining me today. We have Kiran, Ali and Ruth. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks very Thanks much for having you. us. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, thank you. It was a great chat. And, and of course, thank you at home for listening to us. Until next time, take care and goodbye.